Welcome to the Hospitality Maverick podcast with me, Michael Tinkser. We at Hospitality Mavericks are here to inspire leaders in the hospitality and restaurant industry to create heart-centered and profitable businesses from the inside out, the kind that both employees and customers love and support. In this episode, I will be talking with Zoe Henderson, the founder of Clean Slate, which is a consultancy working for a sustainable future within food and drinks. She has a wealth of restaurant and hospitality experience, creating and running her own businesses, as well as recently being the head of operations for Redemption Bar. We talked about the current storm in the industry, how to survive and thrive in it, attitude to employees, and mindfulness and mental health, and also how we're going to operate in the years to come, and how food can be a catalyst for change. Sit back and have your notebook ready, some great thinking in here on the future of business. Enjoy. Welcome to a new episode on the Hospitality Maverick podcast. I would say in this episode, we're going to be talking about something that's very close to my heart and also Zoe Henderson, who is a guest on the podcast today. We're going to talk about, of course, the the state of the world right now. We are just in the middle of the coronavirus crisis. But actually, we're going to talk about something me and Zoe have talked about a couple of times before this happened. We're going to talk about system change. Zoe, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Michael. Lovely to be here. Thank you for, for taking the time to talk to me. I'm looking forward to having some juicy conversation. Yeah, because if we recorded all <laughs> the other conversation we had, we will already have a, a quite a, a long series of, yeah. of podcasts here. Uh, so we will try to become a bit more structured around it today because there's a lot of things we have shared passion about and we already had talked about how we can uh, collaborate on, on some of these and uh, and and one of them is a system change and, and we also want to talk about uh, at another point in time we agreed that we want to talk about low or no alcohol because yeah. that's again a very connected thing to this whole situation but for people out there Zoe that doesn't know Zoe Henderson <laughs> who are you where do you come from and what is your mission? So I've been in hospitality now for coming up to 20 years. Started, you know, waitressing in my local pub and then worked my way up in between careers in advertising and, and doing some other bits and bobs. I've always found my way back. I've started two of my own businesses, a juice bar and, and then a cafe and worked for various other people on events and, and festivals and, and managing their venues. So I've always been immersed in the hospitality world and have a very close and intimate relationship with food. Over the years, I've moved into a plant-based diet and and a vegan lifestyle and so more than ever food has been so important to me and I've really understood how that delicate relationship we have with food can really be used for a force for good not only for our health but for social change system change and can really act as a a catalyst for for making things happen. I have worked recently with Redemption Bar which is an amazing plant-based restaurant and non-alcoholic bar and working with that team have then grown my experience and understanding of this really really new market, the no and low category within alcoholic drinks. It's something that we wouldn't even be talking about a few years ago, known low. It was either you drink alcohol or you don't. You drink water or, or a Coca-Cola. But thankfully now that is a new market that's emerging with people's increased understanding of health and awareness of what alcohol and, and eating processed foods, etc., can can do to their bodies. So I'd say my mission is to to pull together my knowledge and understanding of these sectors and really try and help my personal brands and working with brands of others and to collaborate to really use these very intimate relationships that we have with food and alcohol and the social aspects around it as well as the nourishment that goes with that and really help people to understand how to 
to make it a change for good in their lives, for their health, for the health of the planet and for the health of our communities. Now, more than ever, that's going to be something on, on everyone's minds. Yeah, that's, that's no doubt about that. Uh, whatever this new world is going to look like, it's going to definitely be a world where you're going to have people going to have time to reflect about a lot of things, especially around, you know, food. We're going to talk about system change now. And uh, for people that don't know, I think the most people have picked up now that this problem, the coronavirus, came from a broken system, the wet markets in uh, China. And there's a lot of issues related around the wet markets. It's not just that it's a meat industry, but it's also the, the condition these people work under and live under around these markets, the workers' condition. And I've seen you been out posting some really good stuff on, on LinkedIn. If people want to follow you there, that you, 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 you share some really you know insightful stuff because again it's it's a lack of knowledge i guess as well that has driven us to here we we haven't understood really the consequences of our consumer behaviors around food and in general material things so what do you think that this is all going to bring do you think it's going to bring this uh, you know change right after this now four six months or whatever when we are back to some kind of new normality do you think people are really gonna start by themselves looking for more plant-based food low and no alcohol. What do you think is that that's going to happen? It's interesting you say about LinkedIn. We live in a, a global digital world now. There are many benefits and some downsides, but the many benefits, the fact that we can share information freely. And I think that's something that's really important to me is to making sure that people are empowered because change comes from education and people not knowing and understanding the benefits of foods, the downsides of eating certain foods, actually what's going on in the food industries as a global picture. This is all helping towards this system change. I mean, like you said, most of, well, all of the last pandemics, epidemics that we've seen have come from zootropic diseases. So diseases that have come from animals into humans. And this comes from wet markets, cross-contamination. We're also breeding through our unhealthy relationship with animal agriculture, the potential for a lot of antibiotic resistant diseases coming through, industrial farming at the scale of which it's doing, and the reliance on antibiotics to keep their product alive in pretty horrific conditions is just creating a, a petri dish of, of potential hazards that could be unleashed into into the world. So I hope that we hear of these things all the time. We knew that that's how Ebola started. We knew that about SARS and Mars, but because now this has affected everybody globally, and it's not just affected somebody that you might know whose grandma died. This has now affected you directly because you can't go to work. You can't earn money. You know, your favorite restaurants and, and bars and shops have been closed down. And suddenly, even if you've never been touched by the actual illness, Everybody is feeling the effects of this and everyone is now taking a lot of time to research and understand and really think about where these diseases are coming from and how best that we can work to survive on a planet where there's more people every second, there's going to be food scarcity. There is already food scarcity for a lot of people all over the world. And I think that this time, because it's been such a shock to the system and such an impact on everybody's lives all over the world, pretty much, people have to start questioning the systems in which they get their food from and looking at their health and the health of their families. And to its credit, the internet is now providing a platform 
for sharing of information. So for me, it's really important that people are getting this information, that are understanding it, and then actually having the ability to go, oh, if I make these changes in my life, could I protect my health? Could I protect the health of my family? And I think as we come out of this, plant-based food, no alcohol, low alcohol, making decisions that actually concern the way that we eat every day and understanding that people can feel quite unempowered because they think, what difference can I make? You know, I know that animal agriculture isn't great. I know that these food systems are broken. I know that, you know, fast food is getting prevalent and there's food deserts in in countries. People understand that, but they feel very helpless. But actually, how can we change something that really makes a difference to you? Let's start at home is literally by changing what we're putting into our bodies. Every day you get to make a difference. And I think already plant-based food is on the rise. It's becoming certainly mainstreamed in cities. We're seeing it branch out into the regions and into smaller towns all over the UK and all, all over cities in Europe and beyond. And I think coming out of this, people are going to be starting to search for alternatives. And I think it's going to help these markets grow a lot quicker and see a lot more interest sparked in it. But the key to that is education. People have to understand the products. They have to understand what plant-based means. They have to understand why. And the same goes with no and low. So I think it's down to people like myself and people within the industry, within the drinks industry as a whole, within the within the restaurant and hospitality industry to start to help educate people on food, on its provenance and where it comes from and actually what it can do to us on a positive effect as well. Yeah, and if we, we just stay with the industry a bit, uh, an industry that's probably um, of all of them because it's, it works on the premises of people connecting and meeting in establishments and eating food and having a social gathering together. That's never been seen before that, you know, you are shut down by government, maybe under war conditions or something like that. People know we don't have to repeat all the things that's happened the last couple of weeks and we're probably going to see more. But it's going to be a very different industry with less operators when we come out on the other side. The people that that is able to survive and navigate through this and open the doors on the other side. And I guess they will be looking at what food they provide because people would be asking questions. Where's that chicken from? You can eat meat, in my opinion, but you have to be aware where it comes from. And you have to think about what life has that animal had. Because I think that's the biggest problem is that we we don't go under the surface and ask those questions. I think you will have consumers now. Either they will just order plant-based food because they will be scared of ordering any meat in that establishment because they're not sure that they know enough about where their meat come from and what kind of treatments got. And I think you will see, you know, plant-based is not going to be the word. It's just going to be standard. It's not going to be our vegan offer. That's going to be standard. It's just food. That's the baseline. And that was likely how restaurant got established in the beginning because nobody could afford meat at that time. It was potato soup and so on for travelers on the road. So yeah, I think we're going to see, uh, without me knowing the answers, but I, I don't know if you've been thinking about that as well, a very different restaurant landscape when we come out on the other side certainly yeah it's going to be a tough unprecedented time for the industry and something that we've never experienced certainly in our generation you know out of wartime the restaurant industry won't come out looking the same and that will be really sad and tragic for a lot of businesses looking back is it going to be 100% a bad thing for the industry as a whole I don't think it will be I think that there'll be a lot of changes that will happen that will have a positive effect on our relationship with food and will have a positive effect on a way that brands and businesses treat their people treat the people that work for them treat their suppliers and you're right you know whether you eat fully plant-based or whether you eat a little bit of meat whatever you eat you are going to want to know where it came from from and you're going to want to understand that it's not pumped with chemicals and you're going to want to understand that the the meat isn't bleached and you're going to want to understand that the animal welfare standards were good and 
that kind of provenance has been creeping back into our foodie landscape over the last couple of years. You know, people are trying to connect more to farms markets. People are trying to look at the provenance and the time frame of which their food gets to their plate in the restaurant and where that food's been and how it's grown. We have seen a, a real marked increase in that because like you said, that's the way that food used to be. You used to have small producers, you used to understand where that food had come from. And then as we kind of bloomed into this affluent capitalist crazy 70s 80s 90s environment where it was cool to eat fast food and you know people they stopped thinking for a while because of all the other things that were going on socially economically musically culturally stopped really thinking about where that food came from they were like wow I can now get food in a little box I can stick it in my microwave and it's ready and then I can go about my day and so people's relationship changed with food but now we're starting to rewind back to, to older values which I think is is wonderful and you'll be left with restaurants that show that in their brand and show that in their ethos and that could never be a bad thing you know if you have an honest brand if you have a a really strong goal and purpose and not just want to make a quick buck by feeding people fried chicken or whatever it is if you have a really honest intention if you have people at your core and if you have good quality product at your core you'll weather this out you know whether you hibernate whether you pivot whether you kind of change your offering a little bit those honest brands will come through this and there's the support within the industry and wider I think to make sure that happens but unfortunately sadly there will be some businesses that that don't come out the other side and that is going to change the way that the restaurant the restaurant industry looks in the UK and worldwide yeah yeah. and I guess I talked with somebody in the US recently and he his estimated guess would be about up to 50 percent of restaurants would not exist small or big but especially big ones because they have these uh, massive overheads they have to to feed and uh, they can only go on for so long either furlock or hibernate their businesses because there is some overhead that's very expensive and if there's no sales coming through the the doors then it's very difficult to maintain these kind of structures yeah it's going to be you know the next couple of months depending on how long this lockdown is going to be and i I think we we're definitely going to see something longer than we expect i think there's going to be a big change and and as you say i also see there's a great opportunity for the people that want to do the right thing or already doing the right thing if they can get through this they will have amazing opportunities on on the other side because they would they'll be ripe to take market shares from uh, people or companies that hasn't been totally transparent and telling the true story about their products and their purpose of, of being here. Coming back to that, that also means that there's been a lot of, you know, talk, it's actually funny, never been so much talk about how you treat your employees as there has been under these crises. And uh, you call it uh, the, the human resource approach to people have not been celebrated. And when I talk about human resource, I talk tailorism, you know, you are a resource and you're here to fulfill a job I have for you. And you then get paid from your productivity in that job. And some companies has done really well. There's some really great stories out there with Honest Burgers, a very good example, has done really well about taking care of their staff and uh, making sure that, you know, they either got redeployed into other jobs or they furlocked and then also they are very engaged with them when they're not able to do it. And they, they showed in my world a very great example of how to do the right thing. And it's not about finance here now, it's about the long game. And then there's also been stories where you, you've been shocked to see how employees have been treated and the approach to them just stopped the salary from one day to the other, which is, is, is shocking. So what do you think that's going to happen on this whole 
because having enough people was a big challenge before we hit this crisis. I mean, staffing in, in hospitality is, is always a delicate balance. There's a lot of high turnover of staff. There's a lot of switching and it's quite hard to tie down good people. That's always been a, a problem in the industry. And, and we see a lot of companies who maybe don't reward their staff as much as they should be. Wages are certainly in London aren't necessarily where they need to be up to the living wage standard. But saying that there are some companies that really understand the value of their people and, and the thing that I'm looking at and exploring at the moment is this kind of human resource corporate social responsibility. You know, you have a responsibility to your team. It goes beyond them just being little worker bees that come in and do your job for you. They are an extension of your brand. It doesn't matter how long you work on getting a beautiful restaurant interior or creating amazing food or drink. If your staff aren't bought into the concept, don't respect the business and aren't passionate about it, you may as well just throw it in the bin and start again. You know, that they're such a vital part of your brand. And I think the people that have understood that are the ones that are doing everything they can to keep their staff on. There were, of course, some, you know, unscrupulous companies that started making redundancies at the start. They started quickly appraising and firing staff that they wanted to get rid of because they predicted what was coming and, and they didn't want to have to retain staff that they necessarily didn't want, which was a really cowardly practice. But, you know, within business, you're always going to see people that, that don't do the right thing. But I think what people are going to see now is those staff that stay committed to the brand, those businesses that look after their staff and say, do you know, what? we don't know how this is going to work out. We're on the edge of potentially going under, but we're going to do everything we can. And if we go under, then we go under together rather than, you know, we fire everyone and we try and save every single penny to hope that we'll come out the other side. I think businesses and brands across all sectors that really look after their teams now, that really show that they care are going to come out stronger the other side because they're going to have teams that are a million times more invested than they ever were. So much more passion and commitment to the brand and that's going to show in their service in the way that they deliver their products I, I think that it's an interesting thing even though if there's not an official list I think there's a forming a list about of employers you want to work for or not work for if you are you know a dedicated hospitality person because I also think we're going to lose a lot of talent there will be people saying that was enough no more you know I will go and look into other industries which I'm quite sure they will be successful with hospitality people are very talented people and they are very good and some things that that other industries are really want to have a part of as well but I think that the people that that will be left and the really good people they will now start to choose employers even though there's going to be less employers but that's because as an employer in the hospitality industry, as you said in the beginning, you're always looking for great people and you always find a space for them if they come and knock on your door because you know that train doesn't come often. So I think that there will be a real divide on that. And it's going to be very interesting to see. You can be cynical and say, yeah, well, some people would just be glad to have a job. But I still think this will make people still reflect about, you know, who do I want to work for? And what is this business doing to contribute for society and and me as an individual? That's going to be an interesting division, I think, without having any evidence on that. This is just a gut feel I have. I totally can understand that. I think there's going to be a lot of people who would just be thankful to have a job anywhere after this and during it. And they may decide, do you know what? I'm going to go and work in retail now, or I'm going to go and work for something completely different because I don't feel safe in hospitality anymore. But I think those companies now that are really looking after and engaging with their customers that are showing how that they can help, not necessarily for profit, but whether that be helping frontline workers, whether that's, you know, turning your distillery into a hand sanitizer producer, whether that's, you know, helping 
local community projects. There are lots of businesses that are trying to innovate and help and actually just show their true colors and show the true ethos of, of what they're trying to do. We'll, we'll see how they're looking after their staff. We're going to see how people are responding to the crisis through furloughing and in and around that, how they're treating their key people. And you're right, there are going to be people that sadly will be working for businesses that won't survive. And when they come out, the eyes will be on these great companies that are actually championing and, and showing best practice in how to behave and how to treat staff and customers. It's not just the staff, it's customers as well, which is really key at the moment, the way people are, are dealing with every human that is involved in their business. That could be your delivery driver, that could be your end user, that could be your member of staff. And by communicating and by working together and you know, spreading positive content and helping create initiatives within this time for these people. That's really going to show and it is going to highlight some of the best companies. And I think coming out of this, they're going to grow from strength to strength. When you think about this uh, situation, you, when you think about hospitality workers, and I was just there was thought that came to my head when you were saying this, like these people have now, you know, lost their jobs, some of them, some of them are follow if they're lucky, getting maybe 100 or 80% of their job. People who work in hospitality, as you said, don't have the biggest salaries. They, they are minimum salary, uh, London minimum wage and so on. And they're going to be financial distressed, many of them. Many of them are maybe just about to make the ends meet now when they don't have tips and stuff like that. There's a lot of conversation in these days about tips and trunk should have been part of the thing. But again, that's some people, they actually have the extras or the food comes from the, the tips. And they're going to be, you know, first of all, they're going to be hungry, maybe and they're going to be distressed. And then we have the whole mental health issue going along which I think is going to be our biggest problem of all of this behind, and no matter any industry, it's going to be people's mental health. I know how hard I work myself every day in the moment to keep myself in a good place. And it's bloody hard. It's always hard work, but it's bloody hard when you are not able to control much right now. It's your, your circle of influence on many things have become very small. So you have to deal with what you can deal with. And that one of them is your, you know, your energy and mental health. But what do you think it's going to mean for an industry that's already have massive mental health challenges? Maybe not something we talked about, but it's definitely there. And I've seen a lot through my years of drug abuse and alcohol abuse and so on. And sad stories, a lot of them. Uh, do you think that's going to scale now? And where is the employer's responsibility in all that? Certainly. I mean, our industry has always been rife for that, you know, long hours, access to alcohol, you know, chefs notoriously working in kitchens, you can be working up to 90 hours a week, you're tired, you're exhausted, you're getting paid by the hour, it's very tempting to, you know, to use substances and alcohol to kind of keep you pushing through that. We also work with a lot of, there are a lot of creative people within the hospitality industry, it may be that hospitality is kind of their secondary industry, but really they're artists or creatives and, and that in itself leads itself to more sensitive people and mental health, anxiety, stress related. I've seen it throughout my whole career, but no more than in the last, I'd say four years, pretty much every client I've worked for, every venue I've worked with, I've seen more and more staff with, with anxiety issues, social anxiety, stress, depression, substance abuse. And it seems to be getting, it, it seems to be getting worse. It's something that isn't as well talked about as it should be. We're getting there. There are charities that are starting to speak out about them. There are some kind of key figures within the industry, chefs and leaders that are starting to talk about mental health. And I think you're right. People's lifelines have been cut. People's social ties have been cut. You know, you're financially now stressed. Your wages have been cut. Your access to, to good food sometimes has been cut. If you're working for a restaurant and you're eating the food there and it's good food and you're eating that for your lunch and dinner every day, sometimes seven days a week, and suddenly now that's disappeared. So you're you're kind of having to, to fend for yourself. I think it's not 
not to be underestimated the amount of, of food that people eat when they work in hospitality, you know, sometimes three meals a day because you're not paid very much. That kind of is supplemented by the fact that you get to eat there. Um, so that's going to be taken away from a lot of people. And I think what we'll, we're going to see is moving when we come out of this the other side, the people coming back into work are going to be fragile. And it's going to be more important than ever within bigger companies, HR, but individual managers, business owners to really be aware of how their workers are going to be coming shell-shocked a lot of people, I think, out the other side. And there are some amazing mental health charities that work within this industry that business owners and managers and operations leads really need to start to think about now are there courses that I can take? Is there information that I can be reading around? Because when we go back into the workforce, there are going to be people that if they have substance abuse issues that have been really going deep down into them over the last couple of months, if you've got depression, if you've got anxiety, that's going to be peaking off the roof right now. And so people are going to come back into the workforce really affected by what's happened. And I and I hope that it's going to be the responsibility of business owners and, and of leaders to understand that and, and put into place strategies to help support their staff because they're going to need it more than ever for sure yeah and i think i guess it becomes the norm i had a conversation the the other day because i'm i'm part of a business called the bear kitchen and, and we were very quickly in the beginning of the crisis where we couldn't give anyone you know clear answers about what the route forward was we we engaged with a, a resilient coach and she did a workshop online workshop for everybody and, and it was more about the thing about going traveling to work you know dealing with all these anxieties at that level but we're gonna we're gonna engage with her again a bit longer down the road because we talked a lot about what you can control and not control. Stephen Arco is circle of influence, but it's a very simple model. But many of these people that works in kitchens, I've never heard about these techniques and reflecting in that way. And, and we got some amazing feedback doing that. And that was a really little expense, one and a half hour workshop online. And I think we bought a lot of productivity from that, from a business point of view, but also we bought, build a lot of trust with our people that actually be, instead of talking about how we need to cut costs first, we have then talked about that afterwards but we talked about how do we get you ready for this? How do we get ready to run into the fire? And I think that I've been trying to say to all people I work with in my network, invest in this now. It's not when it's over. It's now they need it. They need the tools now. Many of these people, they don't do the self-development and have these tools, not because they're bad people, but just because they don't have the knowledge. I mean, we should have been investing in this a long time ago. You know, we have to jump through a lot of hoops in hospitality for training staff on everything from, you know, PPE to health and safety to allergens, quite rightly so. But actually, why don't we add on to that that kind of the training schedules that we have to put all our staff through we need to add some training around mental health around dealing with our our own issues around how that affects us in the workplace around mindfulness and coping strategies i would very much like to see that integrated into into the kind of government checklist that we have to take our staff through to train and i think that it's the responsibility of business owners and operations directors and and managers that you know you're making sure that your staff know how to take temperature checks and record fridge temperatures and how to properly sanitize a work surface well why aren't you checking that they are putting in coping mechanisms for stress when things go wrong for dealing with your commute into work and making sure that you're doing mental health audits you know in a, a relaxed environment on your staff as well you know how giving them self audits that they can do you know do these things stress you out what are your triggers and helping people because that to me is just as important as as if they know how to calibrate a probe <laughs> coming out of this this is something that I'd certainly like to work with some of my clients on and I think it's really important that businesses start to look at this because it's not going to go away and it's just going to get worse 
It's very interesting in some of our conversations. I, I wrote down a note if we go from the individual employee to the organizations as well. And you said, we had a call a couple of weeks ago where you said it's been very you know, admirable and see the speed and efficiency people can change when they need to. Imagine if we could do that in a normal or the new normal when we do business and we take all that down, all these barriers and we actually build, you know, network, we get things done together, we trust each other and we just make change, you know, positive change very quickly. Can you elaborate a bit on that? I think that's a very interesting thought. I hadn't heard anyone taking that angle on it before. We're certainly working under, you know, warlike kind of strategies and, and emergency strategies for, for businesses. And the thing that's always frustrated me and probably why I've gone down an entrepreneurial path is because things take so long to do in big business. And even in small businesses, you get bogged down with either indecision, you have to run ideas and concepts and change past so many different stakeholders that it, it takes so long to push anything through. And also, I feel that there are a lot of people that just you're drawing out your day's tasks and things actually that could take a lot quicker to run through just aren't getting pushed through. And what I've found that's really interesting is how suddenly overnight companies have pivoted and, and completely changed their direction, how new companies have sprung up, non-for-profits, delivery platforms, companies have suddenly gone from having no e-commerce to full online shops, you know, pretty much within days. And I'm like, isn't that amazing? And I've spoken to various people with brands, everything from coffee brands to spirit brands and the ones that are still operating and, and active have gone, do you know what, we've just launched our online shop and a coffee delivery service in, you know, a week. And now suddenly we're delivering our coffee to people. Or, you know, we've suddenly launched a, a charity as part of our business and we're helping people in need in the hospitality sector. And I'm like, isn't this amazing how people have suddenly been able to do that quickly? And I hope that one of the lessons that we'll take out of this crisis is that we should be able to move a lot quicker to work on projects and develop ideas than we do. And I think we put a lot of, of invisible barriers in our way in our normal working business lives. And that's something that needs to change. If we can apply our speed and agility and flexibility and passion to projects coming out of this the other side, whether that's the bigger picture, tackling climate change and sustainability, or suddenly quickly implementing new training programs for our staff to help with mental health and mindfulness in the, in the workplace, for example. We now know that these things can happen quickly. And we now know that if you just kind of strategize what you're doing, if you break stuff down very quickly, rather than having trying to do everything at once, going for this five hours, 10 hours of my day, I'm going to focus on this task. And actually, if you do that and just don't read through all the emails that are you know, non-essential that you get sucked into and don't spend two hours on LinkedIn, and you just focus on really task-orientated projects, very quickly you can make things happen. And I think that's really exciting. And I really hope that we're going to see that mentality carry its way through into the other side, because I've been really impressed by what a lot of people are doing and how quickly they're doing it. And when I speak to them, they're also impressed about how quickly their staff have done stuff and how innovative and how focused people have been. So we should take that kind of crisis tactic mentality out the other side to really push through projects that are important and things that we know that can make a difference very quickly. Yeah, and it becomes this, I love an analogy, analogy for one of my favorite books that's called Build to Last. And it's about these businesses, they went through decades of 
businesses never changed their owner. They, many times they were family-owned business. Some of them were on the stock exchange. But the thing was that they always survived. They were recession-proof businesses. They could take turbulence, as they call it in the book. But one thing they, they had as a leadership approach was don't shoot cannonballs, shoot silver bullets. Because you find out what is the thing that can move me 80%. What is the 20% I need to do to move 80% of the way? And then you just start doing it. You don't overanalyze it. You don't get interrupted. You just block that time off and get it done. And they had like a culture that was in their culture to get stuff done. Southwest Airlines is one of them. They decided very clearly, we're not going to take the whole market. We're just going to take a couple of states in the south of the US and we're going to do that really well. That was the silver bullet. And that was a massive success. And they stick with that silver bullet year after year after year. And still one of the most successful businesses in the airline industry, financially as well, compared to others. Even though they're small, they're, they're mighty. And it's very interesting that, you know, that approach you were saying there, if we can apply that just on personal level and business level, we will probably have some much better outcomes and much less frustration. Yeah, agreed. You know, it's it's almost that one percent, that little extra. And if you if you're just focusing on something targeted that's going to really make a difference and quickly push that through, I think we get bogged down in our in our work daily work environments. That there's so much stuff that we can do. There's so much overload of information and pressure to achieve certain things. And it, it's this constant wheel that people get you get blinded by it all, and everything becomes quite a blur. And then you try and do little bits here and little bits there, and nothing really kind of solidifies and takes off and actually if you're focusing on on really targeted objectives we now know that stuff can happen quickly it's it's amazing what can be done so i'm really looking forward to to seeing how people continue with that attitude coming out the other side we are we are around uh, and you you mentioned a bit in the beginning as well moving a bit away from uh, business efficiency and speed and you know general personal productivity but again if we talk a bit about you know food as well you mentioned that food could really be the catalyst or the infliction point for change how would you see that happening in the future what will happen because there's you know it's so interesting with the, the restaurant industry we we have all very been very transactional focused because of all the money that came into the industry it's all about growth grow scale 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 and it become of the product if you saw advertising product 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 and it comes from the whole commercialization of the restaurant industry which started with McDonald's back in the in the 60s probably from the US but how can how can food again become like it was at one point a positive force for change Michael Pollan you probably know as well talk a lot about this as well how food can be a catalyst for change in in the world how, how should restaurant take that because it's more than a plate of food you're saying of course of course, you know, we have a really, obviously, from a, a physical point of view, longstanding intricate relationship with food. It's been used for celebration, for ceremony, for sustenance. But the, the way that people have thought about their food and, and respected their food has definitely waned over the last 40 years. Food was about bringing people together, either through celebration or daily ritual, you know, feeding your family, sitting down, having a meal together. People underestimated the power of community and bringing together that their ritual of sitting down and eating food can bring. What we're putting in our mouth, what that food is, where it's come from, how it's grown, that path has got very murky over the last, you know, 50 odd years. And luckily now we're seeing a resurgence in people really caring and understanding about where their food came from. And as we talked about at the start, you know, what involvement and who was involved and, and what processes happened to your food before it gets onto your plate. I have see food as a catalyst to change because the power that food has to bring people together, it's vehicle for other things it's not the physical food that's in front of your place although sometimes sometimes it is it's the fact that if people are sitting down and say taking a lunch break and 
communicating better with the people that they're working with, if they're taking time to digest their food properly, if they're understanding that the food that they put into their body has a dramatic effect on their productivity, on their energy levels, on superficial stuff like the way that their skin looks like or or whatever it may be. Once people, and they are starting to understand that more and starting to put more value on that, it's changing how people feel about a lot of things. You know, that resurgence of self-care and self-love that actually what I'm putting into my body and the time I'm taking to eat it and the time that I'm not just scoffing down a sandwich at my desk quickly if I work in an office environment, if I'm not just, you know, throwing food down my neck because I've got a long shift in front of me. The fact that people are starting to think about food in a different way, it is giving me a lot of hope that we can use it, like we said, as a vehicle for for doing a lot more things, whether that's going into communities and, and teaching people how to, to cook and how to use food to, to nourish their family. There's a an amazing organization called Made in Hackney, and they basically work with communities in East London through council-aided schemes that can help people learn how to cook healthy, cheap, plant-based meals, the benefits that that can have to a community when the instances of heart disease, diabetes, diet-related illness has on on people, communities, and their families, if we learn that we can start to reduce this, if we learn that we can start to reduce stress, if we learn that we can start to reduce everything from migraines to tiredness, if we are starting to understand the valuable role that food plays in our lives, then we can start to open that up to so many other conversations about how we we live our lives today. And food can be at the center of that. It used to be at the center of that, and I think it's going to come back to it. So for me, it's something that we all need to do. You know, it's not like I have a, a service or a product that I think can be a really valuable catalyst for change. You have to make people then go to do that product. We have to eat three times a day, but we have to eat every day to survive. So it's something that you can touch every single person in the world with. It's a medium that you can work with people. And, it, you know, it breaks down barriers of even language, breaks down barriers, cultural barriers, sharing a plate of food with someone can be the starting point for so many other amazing conversations and it will be a beautiful tool and I hope that restaurants and vendors and the products in which that they are serving they'll start to realize this and it will it will change how people serve their food and it'll change what people are serving and it can only have a positive effect on the communities and and individuals that are that are receiving it yeah and I've always been when I've been involved in restaurant businesses is about how you make people feel it's not just the transaction which many have been focusing on this transaction i need transaction yeah yeah of course you need revenue but imagine if you make people feel in a specific way both physically and mentally when they leave your your table and they had a like danny meyer talks about this uh, in his book as well that people they go away with a feeling they will come again because they want more of that feeling which he's focused a lot on in his restaurants in new york and again he said that you know a very credible standard for about how you do these things in a storm like this when it comes to these people we talked about people before so again i think uh, you're absolutely right. The infliction point for many things will be food because the problem of this comes from food or badly, badly treated animals that goes into the supply chain. And it's been great to see local suppliers really, you know, being having a chance again to sell their produce. You know, we we, we get some a veg box from some da- place called Ashurst Organic Farm. They're so busy that they, they, they're so loud. They don't have pickers enough to deliver food, you know, and that's amazing. I know they've always, you know, just about making their business work. And now they actually, for once, they're really seeing a a growth they deserve. And you just feel different when you eat organic food. And it's not much more expensive. And it will be cheaper if they get the right scale. 
in the business because then they can you know serve in a different way and many of these people are not set it up for profit there will always be some but it's set it up for the love of the vegetables and people eating them i was just saying the more people that eat them you know the economies of scale the more people that can get these products and the cheaper things are going to become and i think it was it's interesting you, you said that because we've stopped going to our big supermarket for about two weeks now because at the start it was just so hectic and there was nothing on the shelves and let alone you're really struggling to keep two meters away from everyone in a supermarket and germs on everything and shopping trolleys. So we've just wanted to stay clear from them. But we've been supporting little local businesses, little bulk food markets. Our farmer's market that we go to is being shut but we've contacted the farm direct and they're kind of dropping off veg boxes at a central point and you know you fix a time to go and collect your veg box and I think it's it's amazing that's also going to change the way that we we do things supermarkets were a game changer for a lot of people obviously they've now provide food at prices that a lot more people can afford they provide the convenience of you know getting everything in one place and being open but I think we're going to have to move away from the fact that this convenience life that we've created isn't necessarily the best life for us it doesn't necessarily yield the best results should we be looking at going right I'm going to order all my boring items you know my toilet roll and stuff online to get delivered to my house and then I'm going to go to a baker I'm going to go to a you know a local butcher I'm going to go to a local greengrocer or farmer's market to get my smaller items and I'm going to go to smaller shops and I'm really glad that if one positive thing is happening and there, there are many but one of the positive things is the fact that these smaller independents are getting loads of business you know and they're open and they're open for longer than they are normally and their shelves are always stocked and yeah that's that's made me happy that they're definitely benefiting from this certainly how do you keep yourself in a good place how do you sharpen the the soul because again like anyone else you you you're probably uh, only human and also have your ups and downs in this but but how do you how do you manage your state the first couple of weeks you know you were just hanging on to the radio and and waiting for the updates and trying to get as much information as possible and you know there was a lot of, of fear and concern and wondering how the next couple of months of my life is going to look like and actually once I've gotten over that and kind of put eggs in certain baskets and worked out what's going to happen financially now that part of it is over and I'm very fortunate this is not to belittle that there are a lot of people out there that are in really serious financial difficulty where they don't know where they're going to get food tomorrow you know I'm fortunate that we're not in that I have a loving partner and I home I have a little garden in my flat so I'm able to get outside I'm able to kind of appreciate appreciate nature and appreciate the little things in my life so every morning we tend to have coffee and breakfast that we have been in the garden which has been great reading and and kind of checking up on what's going on in the world but then also not just spending the whole day on the laptop not just reading constant information and, and news sources just going right I'm going to have an hour of going through my emails and, and writing my actions for the day and then I'm going to read a book for an hour or so and then you know we have a lunchtime walk and just trying to put some structure in the day obviously we are I'm not as busy as as I am I'm not running around like a mad thing everywhere like I normally am and on the positive side of that I'm going right well I've got an extra couple of hours sometimes four hours in my day that would be taken traveling so I'm going to listen to podcasts I'm going to read a book I'm going to do some yoga I'm going to exercise so I think having a bit of structure in your day is really important and actually trying to even though they are a lifeline for everyone trying to get screen downtime is really important not just to live on your laptop or on your phone I think that's really crucial and trying to read a book or, or cook something from scratch or to go for a little walk I think is really important because we have been given a very unique opportunity to really rest you know when you go away on holiday you go right I'm going to rest but you're not really you're running around you know towards the end of your holiday you're still planning what you're going to do when you get back and this is really enforced rest so I think Take advantage of it. Go to bed early. Sleep in a little bit if you want. Take that run 
11 o'clock in the morning if you want to or, or that walk with your dog or or with your children to the park and actually in amongst you working from home if you still are then really take time to appreciate what you do have around you and appreciate nature and I think that's really important because things will go back to normal very very quickly I'm sure we're going to have an over busy point of time when we once everything reopens because people are going to be scrambling to make revenue every event that's not happened is going to be happening or you're going to be planning for next year so we're going to actually be really really busy but it's going to be important for us to kind of take that and enjoy the little moments of peace that we can get at the moment they're very 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 good uh, observation yeah because we're used to running around all the time but in a way use this time with cautious and actually get recharged so you're ready for for riding this the wave when you come out on the other side because there's going to be a lot of work and come out there to make things work again if, if you ha- have the options to do so some people are still working hard to either sustain businesses or whatever they do but again it's important they also take time out because you have only so much power on your battery and if your battery get low you make very bad decisions and that could be crucial in the end of the podcast we always ask people to give you know one advice for people out there uh, leaders out there in the industry or in general what would what advice would you give leaders right now lots of them have come on the first phase over the first phase of uh, the shell shock and now they are in a, what I, ca- I call a grief trying to figure out what happened and what can i do what would your advice be to them we are facing almost like a grieving process and with that is a very remarkable process that we're going through and i think once we've gotten over the the shock and the the recalibrating of our of our daily lives this new normal communication is more important than ever honest and valued communication communication it really cares if it's coming from a business perspective it's not about generating hot leads right now it's not about trying to put everything in place so you can focus on sales when you come out the other side talk to your suppliers your clients your customers and try and find out how they're doing try and understand what people's situations are you know a lot of people will have to put revenue generating activities on hold right now and i think focusing on communicating with the people that really matter your customers and your staff and people within your peer group, people within your network, sharing information, helping educate people, sharing interesting content, sharing availability to grants and support. We've seen some amazing work done by Hospitality Action and Grocer Aid, among you know many other charities that are working to help people. And there's a, a real great camaraderie that people within the industry are pulling together. So I think sharing all this information is really important, making people feel like they are supported, making sure that they feel like they're not dealing with this on their own. And as their employer or the brand that they like to invest their time and their money on, that you're actually showing some genuine, honest care and some really genuine honest communication that doesn't have a sales angle or an alternative motive I think that's really important because the the conversations and communication that you have now it's not going to show instant results but we have to get over that kind of immediate ROI mentality because that's not going to happen right now we have to now flip the way we're thinking to go I'm going to put out communication I'm going to have conversations for no other reason than just to check in on someone because they play an important role in my business either supplying me with product or delivering my product or buying my product and actually I need to now show that we generally do care. And some people won't be able to do that because they don't care, <laughs> unfortunately. And, and those are the businesses that I think we're going to see struggle now and, and on the other side. But the people that have always said that they really do care because they do, they can have that communication really honestly. It's going to be very obvious to those that don't. If your ethos has always been that you care about your staff, you care about your product and you care about your customers, then just have honest kind of transparent conversations with them. That's all we can do right now. And if that is your core ethos, you'll be able to do that very well. If it's not, then you're going to be one of the businesses, I think, that probably won't come out of this as well as as others. 
I thought it was very interesting. There's three things I picked out. You say, seek first to understand before you will be understood yourself. Play the uh, infinitive game instead of the finite game. Don't seek return on investment on everything you do. And then you said as well, it's all about caring for people and not just just caring because you want to make a profit out of it, but caring because you, you deeply feel that you need to care for them right now because then somebody will care for you. So it's a give, 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 and then get mentality in principle. That's some very good advice there, Zoe, out there. So yeah, thank you very much for, for getting on the podcast. There was a lot of nuggets in there. And, and we will be back with a, another episode. We already promised in the beginning around alcohol and, and that's impact. That's a, that's a totally different story. But again, thank you very much for your time. Sorry. And uh, you stay safe out there. Stay safe. It's great talking to you. Take care. Sorry. Thank you so much for your great insight into building a restaurant and hospitality business that do more than just accumulate profit, but makes a difference. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please give us a like, share, rate, or subscribe to one of our channels. Thanks to Let's Talk Video Production for your support on the podcast. Tune in next time another interview and in the meantime find out more about us and subscribe to our newsletter at hospitalitymavericks.com thanks for listening and be maverick